Welcome in podcast listeners. That is right. Pete Forsey, the podcast. We are back. Welcome to November. Welcome to NFL season, the real kickoff. Post-Thanksgiving league, as I was once told, and after I heard that for the first time, it really opened up my eyes that this is when the NFL season really begins. In addition, we got Major League Baseball offseason. So we'll talk about the future of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady and his thoughts on the state of the league, agree with a lot of what he had to say. St. Louis Cardinals just getting warmed up, but they got Lance Lynn back. They got Kyle Gibson, Craig Council and the Cubs. A lesson to be taken from the Chicago Cubs in hiring that manager. Of course, the Chicago Bears, they got a clean house. I'm going to tell you what could be their get-out-of-jail-free card. And then Carissa Thompson and what she had to say last week about sideline reporters. It's episode 123. Thanks so much for tuning in. So there are several places I could begin. And, you know, that's how long it's been here with the podcast. Again, very, very sorry. But we're back. We're back and we're ready to go. I'm going to start with Bill Belichick because it's obviously been a disastrous season, 2-8. and eight. Haven't seen this, at least most fans today, because if you've been watching the Cleveland Brown games in the 1990s, obviously you're more of an older fan. And I think we got maybe a few out there, but most of us are uh, around my age and we just don't remember the Cleveland days. We've only seen success with Belichick in New England. And I have been a proponent of this for a long time, any and every organization you oftentimes never finish the sentence, whether it's a quarterback or a head coach. You always want to move off. You're always ready to fire him. You got to fire him. If the quarterback doesn't make the playoffs, you got to fire him. If the head coach doesn't win 12 games, you got to fire him. But the end of that sentence is, who's going to coach the team? Who's going to play quarterback? And I think with QB, a lot of times, Maybe the sentence is finished quite a bit. You get that with the franchise tag, signing them after their rookie deal. People are afraid of the unknown. But it's the same thing with the head coach. Who's going to coach the team? I know Gerard Mayo is out there, and it appears that Robert Kraft really has an affinity for him, and he hired Belichick. You got to give him kudos to that one at the time. A lot of folks thought Belichick was a, a bad hire because he you know, flamed out in Cleveland. That obviously ended up not being the case. But that doesn't mean he's going to be right on Gerard Mayo. And Belichick doesn't typically give raises to head coaches and then publicly give that out to the media. This time they put out a press release to it. So that kind of tells you it's coming from upstairs. I think when you look at New England, who are they going to turn to? Are they going to hire Josh McDaniels? I'm sure they love him, but after he just got fired for a second time, that's going to give you cause for pause here. If they hand it over to Mayo, is that really a guy who's only been coaching in the league since I think it was 2018 or 2019? He's only been in the NFL coaching for four years and now he gets a head coaching job? I know he played, but that's not a whole lot of experience. And he's only been a coach in New England. He doesn't have the connections to put together a staff. So when you factor in that, plus last year, as much as it was a disappointment, 
They won nine football games. They were on the doorstep of the playoffs, and they made the playoffs the previous year in 2021, albeit a blowout to Buffalo. And we all know how it went with the Raiders last year. Jacoby Myers passing the ball directly to Chandler Jones. Otherwise, they would have been in range to potentially walk in and and go out of Vegas with a W in overtime. So then you're looking at 10 wins. So I think while you're really taking it on the chin this year, is it really as bad as we think? I know there have been some ugly losses. There's been some really bad football out there. But all things considered, I just don't know what you have available to move off Belichick and if really he's doing as bad as a job as we all think. There's a standard in New England. There's been an appetite in New England that looks a certain way. They want steak. They're not looking for fast food. They want victories. They want playoffs. I just think we may need to pump the brakes here on thinking that there's going to be a better option available. Certainly, Belichick has to pick it up. He's got to find a quarterback. He's got to stop thinking that precision and very efficient uh, short yardage plays time after time is going to get it done. You got to have more explosive plays. You got to throw the ball down the field. And I, I think he's going to have to adapt to that. But New England's going to just have to understand that not every team is always making the playoffs and getting a first round bye. St. Louis Cardinals, big offseason. Biggest offseason since the 1990s. There's been no bigger disappointment at Bush Stadium than this past summer. A lot of folks tuned out in June. And not a good look and not a good sign when the regional sports networks are really in a, in a tough spot right now with Diamond Sports. Teams are not getting paid. What does the landscape look like with getting your games to the consumer? The traditional model definitely looks in question. Cable, streaming, do you do a bundle package or do you keep it as is where there's territorial rights? It's not good for the Cardinals. This is a key offseason to not only improve on the field, but also give a team that the fans are excited about and proud of. Those don't always align. You look at the Padres, they got very excited. They had a lot of star power. The results didn't happen. Now, they went to the NLCS the prior year, But just having the star power, having the names, that was enough to sell out Petco Park. And uh, as we all know now, or at least some of us, the Padres owner did pass away last week, so maybe he was motivated for himself just uh, to win that championship since maybe he knew the clock was ticking for him personally. But the Cardinals, a couple of good additions. Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, both ties to St. Louis. Lynn played Gibson, a Mizzou guy. All modest deals, but two very good arms, two guys that are going to fill innings, give you quality innings, and can give you the upside of some really high-quality starts. Lance Lynn has put together good seasons. He's had Cy Young votes. Kyle Gibson has never quite put it together for a full season, but he's going to have some flash starts. He's going to have some streaks where he's as good as anybody. Now, it's not good enough. They need four starters. It looks like one of those is going to be internally from what Mizalak is saying. They've gotten to. Now it's about the big fish. Yamamoto's out there. 
Marcus Stroman's out there, who looked good until he got hurt last year. Sonny Gray, Tyler Glass now. Aaron Nola is off the board. That was the big fish. It really sounds like, in my opinion, that guy was not leaving Philadelphia. As long as they came up with a competitive offer, he wanted to play there. Don't fault the Cardinals there. But they have done two-thirds of what they came out to do. Hats off to them. The biggest and most important challenge is still out there, and they could go a variety of ways. Personally, I think my favorite fit would be getting Sonny Gray to anchor the rotation. I think he's earned it. I think in New York, he didn't like pitching in Yankee Stadium. He didn't like the atmosphere. He goes to Minnesota after a brief cameo in Cincinnati, and he's learned how to pitch. He's been in the league 10 years now. I think it was 2012 when he burst on the scene with the A's. And now he's really figuring it out. He got enough starts. He's remained healthy. I think he's now what we all thought he could be when he first started, you know, over 14 or 12 years ago. So that would be my number one choice. I know Glasnow is out there. I know Dylan Cease. I think the White Sox and the Rays are going to look to really give or receive a big package in the Cardinals. You don't want to empty the the cover necessarily for either of those guys, especially a guy like Glasnow. As excellent as he's been, he doesn't pitch enough. And now that you've made these two moves for Lynn and Gibson, you need a guy that's going to cover excellent innings. Not just a few innings, but a lot of innings. A lot of excellent innings. And I don't think you're going to get that. I think he's obviously injury prone. The sure bet would be Sonny Gray now that he's done it for several years in Minnesota. Elite innings combined with going deep into games. He would be my pick. You know, one thing that has now happened a second time, and I thought it was worth calling out, because you just don't see it in baseball. You see it on the player side of things, but you do not see it on the manager side of things. Teams get content all the time thinking that they have someone that can push the right buttons and bridge the gap between players and front office and obviously lead the team, but also carry out what the front office wants to do. The major league field manager has been devalued in the last 10 years. I still think it's important. I think there's plenty of people that recognize it's important, especially when there are shortcomings in a regular season and in particular also a postseason. Craig Counselor, Council, excuse me, he did a great thing for the manager position. He got $8 million. The first guy to do that and the highest salary since Joe Torre back in 2008 with the Dodgers. That's back when you still had the the, the, the name brand managers, the Tories, and before him, uh, the, the Lasordas and Tony LaRussas. Baseball manager used to, you know, he, he used to be a face of your team. Just hasn't been the case lately. But Council in small market Milwaukee, the smallest television market in a television sport, and obviously two powers in, uh, in payroll flexibility, in St. Louis and Chicago, and another historic team in Cincinnati, they've been a juggernaut since Council has been the manager in, in the Brewer, Brewers organization. And he left to go to the Cubs. And not only did he do something good, but the Cubs also showed that you should never be content at the manager position. 
Just like you should never be content on the field. If there's a better opportunity available, you should take it. The Cubs did it with Rick Renneria, solid option, who coincidentally had it twice done to him in two different places. But Rick Renneria was the manager before Joe Madden, who of course took them to the 2016 World Series. And then David Ross, one of the best friends of Jed Hoyer, the guy who made the call, Hoyer fired him once he saw that council was open to going to Chicago. So now you have a Cubs team who's on the come up again, has one of the best farm systems in baseball, a lot of young arms, and a lot of young arms already on the major league roster, and they're going to try and poach some other starting pitchers in free agency. They have an advantage at manager, and as it was astutely pointed out from Bernie Miklas of, uh, of Scoops at Danny Mack, he's on 590 The Fan here in St. Louis, if you're a free agent pitcher and you have the opportunity to go to the Cubs and counsel is going to be the one managing your innings, saying when you start, pulling you from the starting rotation, either inserting you or removing you from games as a reliever, would you rather go to Chicago and play for Craig Council, who's made careers for relief pitchers and who's made careers for starting pitchers, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, or would you rather go to St. Louis with Ali Marmol? Marmol, I'm lukewarm on him. I don't think he's awful, but I don't think he's really helped the Cardinals necessarily. So it's a good reminder at the manager position, I think the Cardinals should be looking at A.J. Hinch. Detroit Tigers, they haven't got off and running since they tore it down with David Price and Joanna Cespedes and Max Scherzer and, and Victor Martinez and Miggy Cabrera. They haven't got off and running. So you know Detroit's got to be thinking about whether Hinch is the guy. But he's also won a World Series in Houston. He's also won a lot of games in Arizona. I think he would be the perfect manager for the Cardinals. And you got to keep your eyes... Looking around, even at the manager position in Major League Baseball. So I definitely think Ali Marmol, he should be on the hot seat, considering that he is new, considering that there is a lot of talent carrying over from this 2022 club, especially in the lineup. And the Cardinals, got to break from your ways. Don't be afraid to make a big move, even if it is at the manager position. I was actually talking with a guy about a month ago. And we were talking about Tom Brady and how I, I actually don't find him all that interesting, you know, post-career. I've always just really been into him as a football player, what he brought on the field to his organizations in Tampa, New England. And I only hear about him now when he talks about football. And he was talking with Stephen A. Smith, which is really funny because not doesn't sound like a Tom Brady type of guy, but I, I guess he was on his podcast and they were talking about the quality of play in the NFL. And this is where I'd love to hear Brady speak more because he's so well-spoken, very eloquent. And he's said the same things uh, before in, in different contexts. But, you know, the gist of it was the game is so bad now because the rules penalize players for toughness and physicality and making football plays. And... You know, I, I'm not barbaric and, and I'm not old school in the way that it's just I need to have physicality and toughness and heads flying on every single play in every single game. I do love offense. 
I love seeing high-powered offense. But the game has gone so far in the other direction that it only appeases the the common fan, maybe the the lackadaisical, not lackadaisical, but uh, the, the one who, who isn't in the nitty and gritty every single day and just wants to see something that's highly entertaining, and that is offense. And so I get it. The ratings are through the roof, but for those that are really into their team, sit down every Sunday, dedicate three hours, which isn't everyone. We all have chores. We all have errands to do, and we got to get stuff done. But for those that are really ingrained into it, the person listening to this that has a tattoo of the KC on their arm, the person who has a uh, Raiders logo on their ass cheek, those guys want to see a brand of football that blends both offense and defense and physicality and toughness. And Brady was pointing out that when he entered the league, it was on the offensive player and the defensive player to protect themselves, not the rules. So that's where defensive players are finding themselves in a in a hard place because they, they don't feel like they can actually carry out their responsibilities based off how the rules are. And obviously there's litigation, there's lawsuits, and the NFL has to protect their ass. But it's also led to an ugly brand and the development of players and coaching has never been worse because offensive coordinators are calling plays to get head coaching jobs. They want to make sure that the offense that they're coordinating is first in points, first in yards, so then in the interview process they can parlay that into a job. And that's obviously understandable, but it doesn't lead to success then if you get the job and run it, running the program. Brady also pointed out that at Michigan, they were a pro professional program just at the University of Michigan. They were developing players. If you look back at their rosters, you know they had Chad Henney, they had Brady, they had Charles Woodson, and that's borne out. Nowadays, he says there's a lot of college teams. There's not that many programs that are actually developing guys for the league. And look, you know, college team is supposed to be about college ball, but there just aren't, there isn't alignment with college football coaches like there once was with professional coaches. And, you know, I, I have found myself not as into it as far as the NFL. I'm watching. I'm still sitting down every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, and pretty soon here on Saturdays. But I look at it, and I'm just like, yeah, seven-on-seven seven game. This game's going to be high-scoring if they execute, but they're also going to try and make this a high-scoring game, and there's going to be a lot of turnovers. There's going to be a lot of missed fourth downs. There's going to be a lot of fumbles. There's going to be a lot of strip sacks because the offensive play callers are foolish. And that's not entertaining. I remember watching those Brady teams in, in 2012, 13, 14. That was some of the most efficient and effective and best football you will see. But really since those drafts, now that you got the smartphone era, you got the Gen Z era coming into to full swing here, these guys, they don't have the attention. They don't have the mental wherewithal. And it's nothing to do with them. It's just the environment that you're in. You don't have the discipline to actually play the brand of football that Brady's talking about. So I bemoan it just like him. It's a bummer. 
But that's the football that we're looking at right now is seven on seven, wide open, and it doesn't necessarily even mean we'll get a lot of points. The game is going to try and bring you a lot of points, but it's also going to bring you a lot of sloppy play, a lot of interceptions, a lot of fumbles in the pocket, and a lot of fourth down conversions that fall flat on their face. I said it earlier in the season, it's only gotten worse for the Chicago Bears. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud said it on the podcast in March. You can go go back and uh, check the receipts, check the tape. I said it. He was my favorite quarterback in that draft. Bryce Young, I was thought he was okay, and I'm not giving up on him. But the Panthers should have taken C.J. Stroud, and the Bears should have never moved out of the pick and taken C.J. Stroud themselves. Obviously, they're aligned for the number one pick right now. There's no way that was choreographed. There's no way in hell did Ryan Poles draw this up where the Panthers would suck and they would have the number one overall pick, which would transfer to them. It's complete happenstance. Lucky for Chicago. But it's foolish process. They should have cut Justin Fields or traded him or use him as an H-back, some sort of gadget player, and gotten a different quarterback. Because while he had a solid game on Sunday, you wasted a year and you wasted an opportunity to get a better player in C.J. Stroud, who's thrown for 300 yards how many times now? He's in MVP conversations. Justin Fields, I think he's thrown for 300 yards once in his whole career. The Bears are also a debacle in game management. They just choked one away to Detroit. I, I was standing there watching. Miss Taylor was agonizing. She was, oh, I mean, you should have seen her. Her hands were in her face. She couldn't believe it. She was so disappointed the rest of the day. I, I My heart was aching. And I told her as soon as they had to punt the ball away with 15 seconds coming off the clock, a mere 15 seconds to the Lions, we both knew that they were going to lose the game. And sure enough, they did. They got some okay players on defense. But when you look around, Shouldn't Chicago just kept Roquan Smith? Wouldn't it be nice to have a Cleo Mack instead of having trade for Montez Sweat and then pay him an enormous contract? Wouldn't that be nice? Ryan Poles took out the handbook, the GM for dummies, and he followed it to a T. And you know what? The only benefit and what would perhaps be his saving grace, I'm not crazy about him, but he obviously is a talented player. He may have the get-out-of-jail-free card in Caleb Williams because he traded with the Panthers, who have been nothing short of a disaster. And now the Bears will own the number one pick. But don't let it fool you. Everything else that Ryan Poles has done and everything else that Eberflus has done as the head coach has been nothing short of pitiful. They have been awful. And they may have their saving grace in Caleb Williams or Drake May or whomever they want to take. But every decision thus far has been awful for the Chicago Bears. And I, I feel for Justin Fields. I don't think he's been put in a great situation to succeed. He's also not been that great himself on the things that he can control. But Chicago, if they want to turn this around, they better nail that number one pick. And they also better get a new head coach and a general manager because these two are not it. So it was about a week ago that Carissa Thompson had her remarks about 
making up sideline reports when she was doing that job before she started doing the the studio host and the sideline studio analyst uh, role with Amazon and, and Thursday Night Football. She, uh, of course, said this on part of my take. And, you know, I'll file this one under the category of the media and the little community that they have cares more than the public. I really don't think the public cares all that much. I found it noteworthy because it's another thing with Carissa Thompson. I haven't liked her since she was found touching herself on video in her in her dressing room, and then uh, she was you know doing it on site when she was like with Fox, and then she had the commercial with Microsoft Tablet, and the commercial was scripted as she has a hard role because she has to track and read and research NFL rumors and look up contracts and do interviews with NFL players. So the tablet was her source of keeping organization. That always bugged me because it made it seem like she has a hard job when anyone would kill to be in the role that she is, men, women, whomever. So when I saw this one that she you know, said that she would make up reports, that didn't really bother me in and of itself. It was more so, yeah, this is pretty on brand. This is Carissa cutting corners, acting like she's been a victim, acting like her job is hard. No, it's not. You could have just not had anything and told your boss that and moved on. Am I offended that maybe she said, Belichick thinks his team needs to be better on third down, has to stop hurting themselves. No, that, that of course doesn't bug me. Now, had she lied about maybe what Belichick told one of his players or passed along information to dupe us, then of course that would be over the line. But when we're just talking about that generic stuff, that doesn't bother me. For me, it was more so, this is just another thing with Carissa Thompson. She's caught on video, touching herself, and then she does the commercial saying how hard her job is, and now she's, again, kicking it back with PMT, talking about how she doesn't always take the role so serious. So that's kind of what I gathered from it. I know the media really was all upset about it. They said this is how the public and the fans distrust their entity and, and what they do. I don't really find that to be the case. I just find this to be more of an indictment on Carissa Thompson herself. Have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. I'm going to be in Chicago with Ms. Taylor and her family. We're going to be having turkey, the best cranberry sauce I've ever had, mashed potatoes, baked mac and cheese. Uh, I think there's going to be green bean casserole, stuffing, of course. I I, I love it all. We had the, uh, the talk and work earlier today. What three would you choose? I choose not to choose three. I need it all, baby. And I'm going to eat three or four plates. I'm going to eat myself into a coma. And then I'll have leftovers the next day. And I hope everybody that's listening tells your family and friends about the podcast, what we're doing, because we are back. And we got a lot of NFL and Major League Baseball to talk about here in December. We're going to be pumping out the episode. So stay tuned. Thanks so much. Have a great Thanksgiving.